You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. So here's what Lacrosse has recently done. They've taken their 100 plus years of experience to create a new line of lace-up hunting boots called the Navigator Series. Now the Navigator Series comes in two options, the Atlas for men and the Windrose for both men and women. Now if you want to find out more about their high-quality awesome boots you need to go to lacrossefootwear.com hey steve the weather is still way too hot here we're gonna be in the 80 high 80s low 90s with high humidity but i'm still thinking about the upcoming hunting season i'm seeing a lot of tech questions coming up on some of our electronic training equipment out there uh, from people that are that are bear hunting they're in full swing with bear bear training season right now across the united states have you been seeing that a lot on social media i have you know i've been thinking myself about getting up to the mountains of virginia and doing a little training myself and uh yeah you know when technical questions come up uh, the the normal reaction is call customer service at the uh equipment manufacturers and sometimes that can involve a long wait on the phone uh, our friends at W Hunting Supply have great tech support, and I'm told if you call up there uh, that Jason will get on the phone with you and, and get to the root of your problem right away. So uh, if I have a problem with my equipment this fall, that's what I'm going to do. Sounds like a great idea, and Jason's going to be with us at the upcoming major coonhound event or hound event of the united states autumn oaks so he's going to be in the booth with us so you can stop by our booth pick up all your houndsman xp logo wear and also pick jason's brain about any questions you might have about your garmin or dogtra or whatever whatever platform you're using there to track your hounds Absolutely. Uh, w Hunting Supply is a one-stop shop for everything the houndsman needs. Uh, they're online at www.dusupply.com. XP podcast with your host Steve Fielder and me Chris Powell. If you're ready to up your game to extreme performance, sit back, buckle up, and hang on for another exciting episode of Houndsman XP. Steve, we've got a really good show today for houndsman xp podcast but before we get to that we're going to do a little bit of uh chatting here between us and i'm seeing a lot of different posts on social media uh, we've even had other podcasts that are that are capturing some of these authors who are writing their life stories about hounds and hound sports and we've got our own in-house author that hosts this podcast every week and you've done a little writing on your own and why don't you talk a little bit about your book, Gone to the Dogs, and where our listeners can find that? Because the, there's no doubt that you're 
a legendary houndsman as well, and people need to know your story. Well, Chris, you're very kind, but I, I did. Uh, once I retired uh, from the registries that I worked with for 33 years, um, at the uh, encouragement of Terry Walker with CNH Publishing, I did write a book. And uh, I got the title for this book for something that my mother would always say to my dad when she'd look out the kitchen window out to the kennel and see all those plot hounds out there. And she, my dad's name was Homan. And she'd say, Homan, we've gone to the dogs. <laughs> and uh, so I picked that title for the book. And, and I think that it has several different connotations. Uh, certainly that love for dogs. Uh, would be first and foremost. Um, also, uh, the fact that I did work with dogs, with the dog registry for all those years. And then uh, I think uh, for any houndsman, uh, you know, I think if there was an epitaph for me when I'm gone uh, <laughs> for the final time, you know, that that we would kind of use it in the terms that if you were if i were to pull up to your truck sitting along the side of the road and i could hear hounds treeing in the distance and i'd say where's chris someone would say why he's gone to the dogs mm -hmm. and you know and that's been pretty much my life story and so i put it together i put it in a book here there 23 essays, for those of you who may not know or may not be familiar with that term, those are just short um, chapters, uh, if you will, about different subjects. They're all pretty much related to the sport of coon hunting, although there is some bear hunting um, uh, uh, essays as well. And I'm told by those who buy the book that they uh, and they may be flattering me, but they tell me that they can't put it down. They they read it from cover to cover, and several people have told me they've gone back and read it several times. I do have the book available for those who might be interested in, in uh, taking a look into this 33-year career and all the uh, many of the people that I met and the stories that they shared can go to www.stevefielderbooks.com. It's available there. Uh, there's a discounted, uh, there, uh, I have a sale on them right now. Shipping is free. Usually ship the orders the same day I receive them. So if uh, you're a, a Houndsman XP podcast listener and interested in, in maybe digging a little deeper into my life and my experiences, it's all in the book, Gone to the Dogs, A Coon Hunter's Journey. Well, I know that and you, thanks for that opportunity, Chris. Oh, yeah. The, the book is, it's got that Steve Fielder flair to it. It's got some humor mixed in with the, each, each chapter and each story. And the copy that I got from you is, is uh, personalized with a note in the front cover. And, and do you still do that for, for people that buy the book? Absolutely. It, when you order, if you'll indicate that you want the uh, the book signed, I'll be more than happy to do that. And I will be uh, signing copies at the uh, upcoming Autumn Oaks there at the uh, Houndsman XP uh, booth and at the uh, American Cooner Full Cry booth. So yeah, yeah. So we've got that event. Yeah. we've got that event coming up real soon. 
that's going to be an exciting weekend for us. We're going to be on full display there with Houndsman XP merchandise. We'll be sharing booth space with uh, W Hunting Supply, and Jason Doobie is flying in from Oregon, and he'll be on, on site to help our listeners or anybody that comes by that has any questions, technical questions about their training tracking systems that they're using so make sure that you stop by the houndsman xp booth uh, at autumn oaks Uh, while we're on the topics of houndsman xp let's talk a little bit about how people can listen to this podcast and how you can subscribe to the podcast and then we'll get into how to support the podcast so to start that off whatever whatever program or platform you're using Uh, mobile devices if you're using an iphone make sure you go into apple Podcasts and search houndsman xp and as you look in that uh, area right there you'll see an opportunity for you to give us a review and we strongly encourage you five stars is is really good and we need those types of ratings to ensure we keep bringing you quality quality uh, programming here and keep our sponsors interested keep our listeners interested that actually helps us boost on on google and the search engines and just everywhere so if we've had several people ask us how to support us right now the best way you can support us is subscribe to this podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review keeps us on top Uh, you can also i'm not real familiar with spotify and some of the others i listen on apple podcasts so if you can find a spot in there, share it with us on our on our Facebook page. We're closing in on 2,000 members on that Facebook page. And I would really encourage those 2,000 members to each one of you subscribe. That's how you can support us right now. Well, absolutely, Chris. And, and that's uh, – we need to get the word out uh, – for sure, and uh, that uh, earlier you were talking about Autumn Oaks and about the uh, W Hunting Supply being with us there. Um, you know, one of the ways that listeners uh, can support this podcast is to go to W Hunting Supply, and their website is dusupply.com, and purchase one of the logo T-shirts or stickers there. Uh, Buddy Woodbury has agreed to uh, provide the profits from the sales of those items to support the Houndsman XP podcast. So that's a way that you can support us and make sure that we're out here every Monday with new programming for you. And while you're there at DU Hunting Supply, uh, browse around the website. They have a, a terrific website. They're very user-friendly, and uh, virtually anything that a houndsman needs uh, can be found there. And so when you buy your hunting supplies or your gear from W Hunting Supply, you are uh, indirectly uh, supporting this podcast as well. And as I'm gearing up for hunting season this year, I was on there browsing around, and, and they've got a pretty extensive first aid section on there for hounds uh, anything that you're going to need in the field for first aid is going to pretty much be found right there and they sell complete kits but they also break that down to individual items so 
I know that's something these hounds are very, very near and dear to us, and, and having an injured hound can cause a lot of problems, if not wreck a hunt. And uh, the loss of a, of a hound is often tragic for the owner. And so there are those types of supplies there, too. Just get in there and browse around and, and make sure that you look at that Join the Fight, Join the Fight link on that webpage. There's all kinds of places that you can support. Uh, all types of organizations, bear hunting organizations, state hound organizations. So, Buddy and, and the team out there at W Hunting Supply are doing a great job to support you, the houndsman, and our listeners here by unselfishly advertising those types of organizations. And if I'm not mistaken, you can actually round up your order for supporting a, a hound organization of your choice. Well, that's great advice, Chris. And, uh, you know, uh, our podcast today is going to be all about people helping people. And uh, we borrowed that slogan, I guess, from our friend Jeff Coons over in Ohio uh, for his Redwood Plot Kennels. But yep. uh, to, today, the guest that we have is somebody that's uh, uh, pretty much dedicated his life to doing that. But that brings up the subject of how can we help our friends get involved with the Houndsman XP podcast. You know, so many people really don't know what a podcast is. I was in that group uh, not all that long ago. You're a podcast uh, junkie now. I am. I am. (laughs) I have a a list of them that I list that I uh, subscribe to and I receive the notifications. But if you're a listener, a regular listener, tell your buddies about it. Uh, tell them tell them how that they can go on to uh, their mobile devices and download an app and how they can get uh, this podcast on the go so they can listen in their vehicle or while they're out hunting or whatever. And uh, it's just... Uh, a way that we can expand this hound community and the more people that we get involved the more uh the bigger the numbers are that will really count for hound hunting when issues arise uh that uh would otherwise take our sport away well some of the things that we are involved in that we really haven't spent a lot of time on on the podcast uh, we're doing more than just interviewing people we're also this podcast has opened up a line of communication between houndsmen, uh, state organizations, national organizations, and, and things that uh, we, we are involving ourselves in. And all of these organizations will give the houndsmen a voice. So we encourage you to join your local, state, and national dog organization, dog hunting organizations, wherever you're at. And if you don't have one, Maybe they need you to get involved to create one. And Steve and I have both been involved in that. And if we can't directly help you, then we we can surely put you in touch with someone who shares that interest to get involved and, and join that join a hound organization or start one. Steve, you got any thoughts on that? Well, I do. You know, this week as we're uh, uh, preparing to go to a meeting here in Florida uh, of an organization that's being formed on a grassroots level, uh, we have an issue here in the state of Florida involving wildlife management areas. 
that we would like to see opened up to coon hunting. Uh, right now, uh, these areas do permit uh, uh, deer hunting with hounds, but the coon hunters have been uh, closed out. And so there is an effort here uh, to try to get that opened up to expand coon hunting opportunities. And those are the kinds of things, you know, as I look over the, the nation, I see issues popping up like up in Pennsylvania right now where uh, anyone that keeps a dog outside needs to be concerned because uh, a bill has been introduced that uh, would require your dogs to come inside if it the temperature rises above 90 degrees or below 32 degrees. So those across the northern tier of the United States certainly know that there's a lot of days that the temperature drops between or below 32, but those hounds are fine because we take great care of them. We have them in nice, tight, draft-free kennels with good bedding, and they do great in that atmosphere, but the general public doesn't necessarily know that. Without getting into details, there are issues all over the country, and we're trying to identify those issues, spread the word about those issues, and encourage the listeners to get out and get involved, go to the voting booth, call their representatives. So this is all part of the mission of Houndsman XP. We've historically, as Houndsman, I think we've enjoyed the uh, maybe the anonymity of being a Houndsman out there uh, in the dark or in the backwoods, but that is not going unnoticed. Our, our hound sports are not going unnoticed these days. The anti-hunting crowd is actively searching for you to shut you down. So you have to be involved. And if we're going to enjoy this sport into the future, we can't stress it enough. You have to get involved. The days of, of just going out and enjoying your hound, the solitude of you and your hound together are over. You know, there's no secrets anymore, and there's people coming after your rights, so you have to get involved. I agree, Chris, totally. Yep, so tell your friends about this podcast. If you if you know somebody that's in our, in, that's talking, so could you chat, you, you all chat with a lot of people that we don't chat with. If you hear somebody talking about something they saw on our Facebook page, then ask them if they're subscribed to the podcast. And if they're not, show them how to subscribe to the podcast on their mobile device so that so we can up our listeners and we can get that message out. Steve, you, were, you ready to talk about our guest today? Well, I am, Chris. Uh, we've got a great guest today, a guy that I really haven't known all that long. But uh, I'm really impressed with this guy. I'm re- impressed with the sincerity of this guy and uh, he has a great story to tell about a way that he is trying to help people in the hound sport to not only enjoy their sport but to encourage them to help them with issues involving their dogs so we have a great guest for our listeners today well nick gilliland is going to join us from nightlife kennel he operates a youtube channel and he does question and answer sessions almost weekly, if not guaranteed weekly, where he will field questions from from all sorts of houndsmen. And he gets a lot of information out there. He does it with the uh, the spirit that that uh, he 
he is trying to help people and that's what what we're talking about today people helping people well that's right i want to be one of those people don't you chris i sure do i sure do well without further ado let's get into this interview Welcome to the Houndsman XP podcast, and you already heard our introduction of Nick Gilliland of Nightlife Kennels, and he produces a YouTube channel on uh, topics that cover all sorts of hound stuff. He does question and answers, uh, and he's a guy that is is helping bridge that gap and unite houndsmen across the country. How are you today, Nick? I'm doing very well. How are you guys doing this morning? Great. Great. Steve, Nick, it's good to hear your voice. In fact, I, I just watched one of your um, questions and answers uh, sessions last night. It's good to hear from you. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate your support, and it's, a, it's an honor to be on y'all's show here. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Well, it's our pleasure. Well, absolutely. Steve White, so you, you recruited Nick here. You you know Nick a lot better than I do, so you want to kind of set this up a little bit and and uh, let our listeners know why you contacted Nick about being on the Houndsman XP podcast? Well, I may catch Nick off guard here with this one, but... Uh, That's all right. <laughs> my, my first real introduction to Nick, I knew who he was, and I'd seen him around, and I'd seen him in some of the booths at, at uh, the major events like the Grand American. But a couple, let's see, I think it was this past January or was it the January before? Anyway, Nick will know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Ter- Terry Walker, the publisher of American Cooner Magazine and Full Cry Magazine, always has a booth at the Grand American. And we're right there in the big old white vendor barn with the draft blowing through there right across from the guy that sells coffee and peanuts. Anyway, we sat up there and we talked to people uh, for three days and have a great time at the Grand American. Well, On this one occasion, Terry Walker comes up to me and says, quick, give me your camera. And, of course, I carry uh, a 35-millimeter camera with me and all. And I said, okay. Uh, and that's unusual because Terry, if he's going to shoot pictures, he'll just use his phone. And he said, there's a guy that's going to propose to his uh, to his girlfriend over here in front of such and such a booth. And I want to get a picture for the magazine. <laughs> and uh, was that last January, Nick, or, or the year before? Yeah. Yeah, it was this. Well, is uh, January here, twenty nineteen. It was a Grand American, and um, I had actually planned to get engaged to my fiance and my buddy Kim Bishop that runs a sport dog booth with me. He, uh, I was gonna make it a real simple event there, right behind the booth, and he decided to make it a very public event. And I think that's when he <laughs> reached out. <laughs> he made it a lot bigger than it was, but it turned out really good. So. That was great. I mean, here it is for those of you who've been to the Grand American, or, or perhaps for those who haven't, you know, it's a huge vendor barn. It's an older barn with wooden floors and, and a wide aisle that goes down between the booths. Uh, and actually, there's two of those aisles. 
parallel, but anyway, the crowd is, is big and uh, people are filing through, looking, stopping at the booth. And here, this area is all cleared out, and there's this guy down on one knee with this very pretty lady. <laughs> And it was great. Uh, I I may managed to get over there just as a, just in the in the nick of time. So, yeah. so that was yeah. well, my introduction to to you, Nick. You talk about some confidence. Yeah, was, what if she'd have oh, said? Man, what I if she said no? Well, you know, as a lot of people do, we had talked about it. And I knew she would say yes, and I wasn't nervous until. <laughs> Kim decided to make it such a public event, you know, and then that made me very nervous. So, but, uh, yeah, that was, it was, uh, quite memorable. I've got several friends that filmed that and, uh, you know, we even put it up on the YouTube channel there. And so it's a memory I'll have forever for sure. And my friends helped me out with it. So that's, uh, that's what you really put it over the top. Yeah. What is that young lady's name? Her name is Caitlin Prince and we've been dating, um, almost, Two and a half years now. So, uh, well, good, good. Well, congratulations. Yeah. But that was my introduction, Thank Chris, you. to Nick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, hey, let's talk about this YouTube channel that you've got going on there with Nightlife. And uh, Nick, mm -hmm. how many, how many, uh, how many episodes do you have out? How many, how many videos you got posted? And... Um, I think last time I looked, we've got around a little over a hundred videos put out, but it's some are. 30 second clips and then you know like our q a's they get up to hour to hour and a half long and then we do film hunts and stuff and we try to average in 10 10 20 minutes long so you know some of them aren't very long but some are you know mm -hmm. well i think that's uh you know the um, sometimes they say you know quality is better than quantity but i i see that you're hitting hitting both sides of that quality and quantity so uh, those 30 second episodes, even if they're done, done right, make a good impact. So I, I've watched yeah. a few of them and, and even referred to, to one episode on this podcast before. And how many, how many followers do you think you got, Nick? Do you know? Um, I think last time I looked a couple of days ago, we was, um, almost, we was pushing 3,600 subscribers. We have to subscribe to it just like you do the podcast here. I mean, you can watch them without subscribing, but, um, yeah, 30, almost 3,600 last time I checked. Right. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. Nick, really, I'd like to know a little bit more about your background. I, I know definitely from watching the episodes that you're a coon hunter and mm -hmm. I like the way that you approach the sport. It's, it's a real, uh, Chris uses the word organic. It, it's, it's a natural, uh, believable, um, authentic uh, approach to our sport. Uh, but yeah. I think when I, I've talked to you uh, before, uh, your background and so forth, tell us a little bit about that. I think it's a little uh, – it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm – I'm 35 now, so I've still got a, hopefully a long ways to go and a lot to learn. But, um, I started out when I was a kid. I mean, I was six, seven years old. My dad has always been a beagle man. And so he's always kept a pack of beagles around. And I was the, uh, short little brush, get through the brush, grab the dead rabbit kid, you know, when he got <laughs> killed back in there in the briars. 
So I always towed around a little, a little Red Rider BB gun, and you know they would. I thought I was hunting too, you know, but they would shoot a rabbit, and I'd be the one to get in there, hands and knees, and crawl in there and get the rabbit for them, and you know. So that was that's kind of how I started out with hounds. That dad introduced me to uh, taking care of animals at that point, and dad's always been way better at taking care of dogs than I could ever hope to be. I mean, he's he's, he's still got beagles to this day, and their their lots and stuff are like living in condos you know i've i've slept in worse places than these dogs have you know so um <laughs> yeah i just i spent a lot of time chasing the rabbit dogs around when i was little and then um my father i'll tell you a funny story about that uh, if you got time i get long-winded so i hope you guys are ready for that oh we'll rein you in but uh <laughs> okay. you might if you might have noticed that some of us have that problem too some others of yeah us. i figured i was in good company <laughs> with that i'll never forget the one time we was hunting and i had my little baby gun and i towed a little plastic long knife you know some toy knife or something and uh we was hunting and i was standing over top of a culvert and i was peeling with this knife at like i was cutting weeds and I dropped that knife, and down, it landed down on top of that culvert right above the creek, and too steep for me to get down to. I'll never forget, Dad had an old uh, blanket back beagle named Sam. He come walking by, and I guess he seen me do it, and he just looked, and he crawled down that bank, grabbed that knife, and come walking right back up, let me get it out of his mouth, and went over and struck a rabbit and took off with it. And I'll never forget that, because I thought, that dog's like a lab. He's retrieving for me, you know. Well, you must be the dog whisperer, Nick. You know, you had a natural line of communication uh, with with the dogs from an early age. Uh, well, at some, yeah, really. Well, I, I, my looking back, my first dog. Well, one of the first. I had two. Uh, one was a little red tick beagle that I named Cleo, and that there was a popular TV show called The People's Choice back in the mm-hmm. old black and white TV days. And uh, there was a basset hound on there named Cleo. So that's what I named my dog. And and we spent a lot of time out in the fields and an adjoining dairy farm near where I live. So uh, that, oh, yeah. well, when did you make the transition uh, from beagles to coon hounds? Well, my grandfather, he's a, he was a war two vet. He passed away a couple of years ago, but he drove a tank for general Patton in his third army he was battle of the bulge and all that and he was wow i didn't know it but he was a lifelong coon hunter and the reason why actually was he had uh i guess what you would call nowadays ptsd which they didn't really know about then and he would work mm-hmm. all day and then he couldn't sleep at night so he would literally coon hunt all night long because he was he grew up with hounds you know um when he was younger but he stayed out hunting all the time, and when I'd come along, he would he pretty much got up in age where he couldn't hunt anymore, but he told me stories all the time. And um, I was always intrigued by it, and then I had a cousin named John. Um, he's been on a couple of my episodes there of us hunting. He would take me out hunting when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. He'd walk me to death up and down these mountains, and, you know, I'd crash at his house that night, and he'd take me home the next day, so... That's how I pretty much got into going coon hunting. And he got me, I see, probably two or three different black and tans. He was a big black and tan guy. And uh, he had a few plots too. And so he got me a few black and tans. And I was just, they were, you know, best dogs you could get at the time. 
to give to a youth. You know, they weren't nothing special. And of course, I didn't know anything about hunting at all. And my dad, being a beagle guy, he didn't know much about coon hunting, but he would try. You know, he'd take me out once a weekend or whatever, and we would cut the dog up a woods. And I feel like most of my memories are chasing dogs more than anything. But uh, that's kind of how I got started into the coon hunting thing. Well, I think all of us have those uh, people in our lives, and and most of the the people uh, that we, I talk to are people my age. They learned this from a family member or their parents, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. And I think that kind of gets uh, around to, you know, what we want to talk about today about your YouTube channel is that a lot of the younger people that are coming up today don't have that advantage. And I've always felt that I was blessed, particularly blessed, because my dad was a 100% houndsman. I'm sure uh, besides his church and his family, hounds were absolutely number one in his life behind those two things. And uh, so that, you know, I grew up in that culture, you know, my dad loved to talk about dogs. And even when I moved away to Kalamazoo to go to work for UKC or while I was in service or whatever, our letters that we would exchange and all were always about the dogs. But so many of these younger people today are new, not necessarily the young ones, but even the newcomers to our sport don't have that advantage. And I, right. I'd like for you to talk a little bit about your philosophy about helping those kind of people. Yeah, well, you know, it starts back. I have to probably talk about my mentors before I can get into that. But sure, transition go ahead. Over really well. Go well. You know, my go grandfather. Ahead. My grandfather, he was always there for me for questions. Like I said, he could never get in the woods with me. But um, you know, there was many nights after I get done hunting. You know, I, I'd go by there before I go to work the next day or on my lunch break, I'd go by there and say, you know, Paul, this dog done this and that and the other. And he would always give me solid advice. He said, well, this is what happened. This is what you need to do. And, you know, so on and so forth. And my cousin, John, he was the same way. And then um, I met Kim Bishop. He's a senior pro staff with Sport Dog Brand. I met him oh, probably eight-ish years ago, I guess. And, um, the first time I met him, his wife sent me to a hunt to spectate with him. And I don't know if he just, Kim's don't warm up to people sometimes so well. I, I thought the man didn't like me there for, for a while, you know, but what it is, he was all business at the competition. hunt. But anyway, we become really good friends and, um, he's, I can really contribute pretty much everything I'm doing now to Kim. He's. He's the one who got me hooked in with Sport Dog and took me to these events. Um, he's the one that we, well, I started talking about, you know, the nightlife thing and doing some kind of branding or whatever. He's the one who really encouraged me because I doubt I would have had the courage to actually, you know, step out and do something like this. I kind of like my safety nets, you know. And But Kim, um, I would be out hunting at night, you know, after my grandfather passed, especially. I've, I can tell you how many times I've been under a tree. You know, and a dog would tree here, and the coon would be in the tree touching it, you know, but it wasn't in the same tree. But they obviously touched, growed in each other. You know, I call Kim up or something. I say, this is what happened. He said, knock him out, you know. And it'd be 11, 12 o'clock at night, and I'd call him. He'd pick up the phone, answer any questions. 
and you know he'd take me out in the woods and if i had a dog it was hanging around my feet he'd show me how to cast it on and all kinds of things so i've always been really blessed to have at least one good houndsman in my life at all times and of course i still do and i'm still learning things and occasionally i'll get a question and i'll call up kim and he's always there you know so one thing i've noticed when i started the channel originally it was just just because i wanted to kind of document stuff so later on i could watch it you know when i was when i got up in age maybe i couldn't hunt no more i'd have memories you know right and sure. um i don't i don't know why but i started getting messages like crazy i mean and people would message me and say you know can you help me out with this or could you help me out with that and you know i don't i don't proclaim to know a whole lot or everything or you know hardly anything but basically i would just uh take what was given to me knowledge wise and pass that on and if i didn't know an answer i'd say well let me let me talk to my buddy kim and i'll get back with you and it just started sort of taking off and i probably get a dozen or more questions every couple of days from people and what i really notice is a lot of times it's it's youth you know 18 and younger and these these kids i guess a lot of them live in a rural area and they have plenty of land to hunt which is opposite of my problem i don't but and they get a dog somehow or they get a pup but they have nobody in their life that you know hunts and they don't have anybody to ask questions to and i from what i've just kind of stumbled upon accidentally is that seems to be a big issue you know is um, I guess people are getting out of hunting or, or whatever. And these youth see it all over Facebook and YouTube and everything else. And it gets their, you know, they get to romanticizing about it. And uh, so they won't get into it. But then they don't have anybody to help them along the way, I guess. Well, I think you, uh, you're exactly right there. And looking back on my experience, Nick, uh, you know, mine was a gradual day by day learning experience from the time I was, you know, old enough to go along with my dad. You know, I've right. said on this podcast, I, the first coon hunt I remember, I was about three years old. And I talk about that in the book that I wrote, uh, joining my dad and uh, uh, his boyhood uh, friend who later became the governor of the state of Tennessee, Frank Clement. Mm -hmm. Uh, brought his uh, little boy who was my age down to the farm there uh, in Dixon County, Tennessee. And uh, we went coon hunting on my grandfather's mules. And that boy of, of Frank Clements was Bobby Clement, who became a U.S. representative, a congressman, and served for many, many years in the, in the uh, legislature or the Congress. But anyway, from that point, you know, I had day by day by day mentoring from my dad, you know, right. anything to do with a hound, how to, how to handle that hound, how to know what that hound's doing at, at a given time, how to take care of the hound, how to feed a hound, how to, how to, you know, clip his toenails, whatever. You know, my dad was always teaching me that. And, you know, I'll admit that I was probably a lot like some guys out there once I got bigger and started going to the hunts. And a guy that was a real novice would come along and maybe be on the cast or something. And I'd find myself, maybe not openly, but I'd find myself thinking, boy, that's a rookie right there. He doesn't know anything about hounds. 
you know, man, I know, I know this game. This guy doesn't know anything. And, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't, I don't think I displayed that openly. I sure hope I didn't. But uh, at any rate, uh, you know, I had an advantage, a definite advantage. And, and I see what you're seeing as well. Uh, when I see the questions that come up uh, from these kids uh, that uh, are just openly honest questions. And I'll yeah. say one more thing about that. And I know Chris is just itching to get in this conversation, but, you know, I started this coon hunting conversations page on Facebook with the yeah. idea that we could openly discuss things. And if you could ask honest questions or topics without fear of somebody jumping on you, labeling you as a novice or a rookie exactly. and, and ridiculing you for the question that you ask. So in, in that regard, uh, you know, I see what you're doing through your YouTube channel as a tremendous benefit to our sport and to the mission of Houndsman XP podcast as we try to promote and preserve and protect the sport of hound hunting. Chris, you have anything to add there, buddy? Yeah, I just uh, put a post on our Facebook group last week about about supporting each other. Just because it's not the way we would personally do it doesn't make it wrong. And especially when it's a, a newer newer hunter trying to trying to become a houndsman you know we need everybody we can get so let's let's mentor these these young houndsmen wannabe houndsmen up and coming houndsmen whatever we want to call them and try to bring them into the fold and try to show them the right way i mean how many times does a guy have to go on social media and ask a question and get kicked in the teeth before he decides that yeah hey when i played Fortnite. I expected this, but not when I was, not when I was, uh, getting into hound sports. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We, um, you know, I, I, I see it all the time and, you know, that's what well, we all have. I'm sure three of us know, and everybody needs to step back and take a, you know, look at this sometime is, you know, like you mentioned on the, I think the last podcast, um, you was talking about there with that Eddie guy, when he was hosting, you'd mentioned the cage coon thing and, you know, at all, t- all of us at one time, you know, was first thing you did when you got a dog is you caught you a cage coon, you know, and you had it barking on it. And, you know, now I won't dare share, show a dog a cage coon, but we were all there. And so for people to sit back and, you know, kind of look down or make fun of, they need to realize where they came from too, you know. Walk a mile in my shoes type thing, right? Yeah. 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 Or, you know, there's another uh, side of that besides just the young hunter. I know as I uh, participated and watched your uh, question and answer session um, there just recently, uh, older hunters reporting in and saying, you know, I really can't hunt anymore. And this is the way I'm doing my coon hunting now. And thank you. You know, so so there's also that element of things you know there's a lot of uh uh coon hunters out there that would love to be out there doing what you're doing on those hunting videos but just for whatever reason their health their uh you know physical uh circumstances or just the fact that uh like some of us are getting older they're not able to participate so i think it's a great thing that you're doing in that regard yeah, we I get that a lot, and it you know it's something I don't 
think about until somebody says it. And I mean, I probably get four or five of them a week. You know, I get guys, uh, we've got one guy that he's lost a leg and he hunted all his life. He can't hunt no more. I've got, um, elderly guys and, you know, all kinds of reasons, older, older men who can't get in the woods anymore, excuse me, anymore. And they, they comment and say, you know, I appreciate this. This brings back chills and especially just about every hunt we put up, they do that, you know, and they'll get on these Q and A's too. And somebody's got a question, especially, I don't know the answer, which happens a lot. You know, these, these guys will chime in and say, yeah, this happened to me. And this is what we've done to fix the situation, you know, and, um, I really enjoy that, you know, and it seems to me you back before I started this channel, you had only one or two guys that was doing coon hunting channels and they're great. They're still going today, but it's like ever since I started and kind of got a little bigger, now we've got YouTube channels popping up like crazy and I love it because a lot of them are youth, you know, and you know, it's, it's a good opportunity. People has a wide variety. There's guys out there hunting red bones, some are hunting plots, some are hunting blue ticks and walkers and, there's one guy doing YouTube, but all he wants to really do is show competition hunts. So it's it's kind of taken off, and it's a growing thing on YouTube, and I think it's a benefit for everybody. Well, any positive voice is a good voice for the hound sports at this at this time and in, in our uh, hound hunting history. That's for sure. Yep. Well, that's a constant reminder to me, um, Nick and Chris, that I, you know, I have to be aware that I am, I am old school. Okay. Uh, you know, I've been around, um, but just because I've been around, uh, doesn't mean that I know everything that's around. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, uh, I, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm learning and, and I'm, I'm learning, uh, I think more than in any other way to accept the new ways of communication, to try to think the way the younger and newer hunters are thinking. And, you know, you brought up an interesting point uh, the other day in a conversation that, uh, you know, you kind of know the, the best of both worlds, or you've experienced both worlds uh, being that uh, the way you grew up before the days of, uh, uh, you know, before the days of cell phones and all of that sort of thing, uh, and, and the old school ways, but now you've embraced all this new technology and, yeah. um, you, you want to talk about that just a little bit, uh, about how you were able to transition to that and then how you think that's an advantage, uh, for you and what you're doing with, with your YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, like I said before, I'm, I'm 35. So, um, I think I'm not sure on this, but I think I'm like the beginning of that millennial, uh, generation. I'm not sure, but you know, when I was 16, that's when, you know, year 2000 came around. That's when the world was ending and computers were going to crash for, you know, some of the younger folks that may not, may not have been there for that. I remember that that was, you know, the first big world ending, um, hoax, I guess. But, um, you know, I didn't have a cell phone till I was 18 years old. Everybody, you know, I've got 10 year old cousins that have cell phones now, but I didn't have a cell phone till I was 18. Um, you know, that was to think a kid can go drive somewhere now and not have a way of calling her parents. Sounds scary, you know, but you, know, you guys know all that stuff, but Nick, right Nick, after I graduated. Hey Nick, I'll just, you know, that's funny yeah. because when my kids, 
uh, started driving, they never had cell phones, even in uh, my kids are 18 to 22 years old. So they're, they're quite a bit younger than, uh, than you are even, but my wife is like, well, they need a cell phone if they're going to be out on the road. I said, everybody else on the road has one and somebody's going to yeah. stop, you know? So that's my, uh, parenting <laughs> proud moment right there. No, my kid doesn't need a cell phone because everybody else on the road has one and they're going to call for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a, a Marine dad there. Oh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we need to but, get Jake, uh, Chris's son, on here, Nick, and let him tell yeah. the story of what it's like to grow up <laughs> with a with a marine uh, conservation officer for a day. Hey, I must, I must, like another, <laughs> I, I must have done something right because my daughter married one. They're actually uh, stationed at Camp Lejeune. I asked her if she would. Oh, I said, okay. "Didn't didn't you learn anything growing up with me?" <laughs> <laughs> well they say i think we should have him yeah i think we should have him on here for that next uh guest co-host i think that's that. right well they yeah. say girls tend to marry their dads you know men that are like their dads so there you go yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well, uh, well go ahead with your with that uh thought there nick about you know how you um kind of identify with both worlds yeah. So, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, when I graduated and all, then I finally got a cell phone and, you know, so I grew up without the internet pretty much. So growing up, you know, I was in the woods every day after school. I mean, we lived kind of rural area and, you know, I had a pellet gun or a 410 or something. And I was, every day I come home, do school, do my homework and whatever chores it was. And, you know, if there was daylight and something in season, I was out there trying to get after it, you know, and, um, so I experienced all that without, uh, you know, when I first started coon hunting, there was, you know, a lot of times we had no tracking system, period. And then we thought we was high cotton when we got something that was telemetry, you know. Um, we call them the old beep-beep systems. And then, uh, you know, when I remember when I got my first uh, Garmin, I got a 320. So I'd, I'd missed the 220 error. I went right into the 320. And I'll never forget, I told the boys I was hunting with, I was at, right out of high school, I said, I just don't trust this GPS stuff. I was like, this is just, you know, this is going to wear out. It's going to fall apart. So we didn't cut a dog loose. It didn't have the old beep beep on it, too. And then, you know, at that time, we didn't have shocking collars. So I'd have a shocking system attached to it. So I had this dog going through the woods with three collars on his neck. Couldn't hardly turn to look at, you know, it's just, I'll never forget. I had a really hard time embracing technology, you know, because hey, I, I grew jump. up where you didn't need it. I'll jump in here a minute. One time I heard a houndsman say, you know, we need to cross these hounds with giraffes so we can get a longer <laughs> neck on them so we can attach all these collars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was – and then, you know, after that, that's when I started pilling with the Internet. And, you know, I, I didn't have Facebook until, shoot, I was late 20s. And all my friends had them right through high school and everything else. And – so that's why I jumped on with that, and then that's when I found YouTube and started kind of putting videos on that. But, you know, I, I learned the ways without the technology, and now I've embraced the ways with the technology. So I can kind of, you know, go with both sides here. I can have conversations with the with the gentleman who grew up without it and the kids today that's wanting the latest and greatest tech before they can start hunting. I can identify with them as well. and I can see where both sides are coming. So I think when we 
you know, our channel, that's kind of something um, we we reach a broad audience because we can relate to pretty much everybody, on at least on that aspect, you know. Yeah, well, that brings to mind for me, uh, how do we coax these young people to put the screen down and yeah. get involved with the hound, you know, the one-on-one communication with the hound and what that hound is, is telegraphing back to us. Uh, I think that's the greatest danger of, uh, and there's many dangers. We, we know there's convenience and it's a better world because of technology, but yeah. We also know that we're losing some core values there. And and how, how do we bridge that gap or how do we convince these young people to put the screen, uh, put the, uh, the handheld in the pouch or in the pocket and just tune in on that dog? Yeah, use it to get back to the to the truck, use it to determine if the dog's getting close to a highway. But otherwise, just, you know, listen. Yeah, um, that's that's the million dollar question. I mean, I'm I'm guilty myself, especially now that I film hunts. You know, sometimes it becomes a little more like a job than uh, than out there having fun. So, and another issue I always have, and I imagine other people too, is land is getting so scarce. It seems like you're always near a road, and we love these dogs like kids, and to let one get run over just because we wasn't watching. You know, that would ultimately just, you know, that almost ruined me if that happened. So I understand. And, you know, the kids are fascinated with technology just in general. It's like it's almost like being in the woods with the dog step by step when you're watching the tracker. But to answer your question there, the only thing I can think we can do is some, you know, the guys who've lived without it and know the value of it. You know, if you have a neighbor kid or if you know a kid down at the coon club or you know, anybody's ever asked, even if they're older, you know, if they're in their twenties or whatever, they've never been, or, you know, thirties or forties, they've never been, and they want to go, you know, take them out first few times and just kind of leave that thing in your pocket. And it comes down to mentorship. I, I guess is what I'm saying is take people out and show them how it's, how it is, you know, how the, what it's really about, not just the technology, but kind of what it's actually really about what that dog's doing and what they're telling you. And, you know, I, my fiance said the other day, said she, I can't hear her across the room ask me a question, but I can hear Hyde three, three hollers over, you know, cause right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, know, yeah. <laughs> um, you get the guy to take the people out and teach them that I guess is mm-hmm. that's really the only answer to that. Well, part of the technology issue, it seems like, when they put the when they put the tracker in their pocket, then their phone comes out, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's it's a it's like we're addicted to our to our technology now, uh, and right. I know from having an eighteen year old son, he can ha- be having a conversation with me and updating his Instagram page and doing three Snapchats while I'm trying to ask him to get a screwdriver, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And he can just, he can multitask like that and do all that stuff. You know, we have to figure out how to do that because to think that we're going to go back to this idealistic way of, of, of hunting, this new generation, they're not picking up on it. And, and so I think the the place we need to, 
to go is, is try to find a way to be tolerant of it, but also teach them the values that make this sport great and then support them when they're doing things right. And, you know, I've got some real pretty, pretty ingrained feelings about, you know, taking kids hunting and, and pop-up blinds and giving them an iPad to keep them busy. So they're not bored. Uh, I've seen videos of that on social media. I'm, I'm very much against that, but man, we're hurting. We're hurting. We're down to to five yeah. percent of our population are hunting is hunting now, and if we don't find a way to bridge that gap between our our younger generations that are coming into the sport, you know, we're going to lose it. We got it. We got to figure it out. There's the the time is now to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this speaks well, to me. Why, yeah, go ahead, Nick. Sorry there, Steve, but um, you know, like Clay Newcomb mentioned in one of his recent podcasts, I'm a big fan of his is, you know, their their goal is to take away all hunting eventually. Um, he had mentioned that bear hunting was the gateway, and, you know, I agree with that, but in general, just hound hunting in general is the gateway to that. And if the youth don't grow up and learn to appreciate it and then, you know, protect it later after we're all gone, then, then it will get taken away. Well, the great thing about hound hunting is you can stand out there. If you've got connectivity – you can stand out. You're not trying to be quiet. You're not trying to sneak around for the, you know, so you can right. take in a, a, a YouTube video and share it with your buddies while you're standing out in the dark. Um, and it's, yeah. I've done it. I've, I've used, I've updated my social media pages while I'm out in the field. And so it's, it's definitely out there. We just not, we got to find a way to manage it. Steve, you had a thought on, on the whole thing. Well, I'm just thinking here, doing some introspective thinking. You know, I write for uh, a couple of magazines. I write for Clay Newcomb's Bear Hunting Magazine and the legendary Bear Dog series. And and I also write for American Cooner Magazine. And I have a lot of older hunters that enjoy uh, the looks back, you know, the history articles on the hounds and so forth. And so it's it's easy for me to kind of ease back into that historian mode and and you know we talk about old hounds the deader the better you know and all that thing and and i think there's a danger in that uh because we do have to realize it's just like my grandfather hitched a team of mules uh, on saturday morning to the wagon and drove them eight miles into town to Dixon, Tennessee to do his business and then to come back and, and, and to the farm. And he died when I was six years old. And I'm sure that my grandfather, if he was legally blind and that uh, prevented him from driving a, a vehicle, but I'm sure if he had had a pickup truck, he would have much rather drove that eight miles to Dixon in a truck, spent more time with his friends standing out there uh, or sitting on on the bench in front of the hardware store uh, mm-hmm. than he would have spent looking at the behinds of those mules, you know, for for yeah. however long it took him to do it. So the old ways are not always the best ways. There are certain things to be learned from the past. That's why I'm not a big fan of rewriting history. I think we learn lessons from history. We have a rich history yeah, in this sport and a lot of things that can be passed on that, that are, are, I believe, 
the you know eternal they don't change but man we've got to embrace this technology we've got to embrace the way the younger people think uh and and get on to their level we talked about that with eddie mcmillan and eddie has two boys of his own and he realizes you know that uh, that the kids think differently they process things differently uh they're so yeah. bright nowadays kids are so smart and and they have the ability to do things that we did we never dreamed of but anyway i'll get off that soap box but i think you're doing a great job nick with with the idea of of being available you know i think of another guy a pioneer in our sport that did that and thank god he's still with us although uh you know some health issues have have uh, uh slowed him down a bit but he's still out there in the magazines every month. And that's John Wick, who I think is one of the most influential people to ever come into our sport. And he has helped right. so many people over the years. And that's kind of what I see you're doing with your with your YouTube channel. And I applaud you for that, for sure. Well, thank you. I mean, it wasn't anything that we've done by design. I'm, I've always joked, I'm kind of like Forrest Gump in my life. I just fall into situations, <laughs> you know, I guess just the, the, the good Lord blesses me in that way. But, uh, you know, I, like I said, we, we started this channel. I started this, I think I started actually putting up stuff about two years ago when I was kind of going through a depressed part of my life. And, you know, so I was in the woods six, seven nights a week. And I just started filming this stuff just to document it. And then um, we just stumbled into people reaching out to us for for information, you know. And I don't know. It all happens for a reason, I guess. And I just, you know, I hope when it's all said and done eventually, you know, if, if anybody's got anything to say about me, they say, well, every time I talked to Nick, he was he was nice. And, you know, he, he didn't shirk me. And we talked about stuff. And he always treated me good. That's the only thing I can hope for. I think that's important, Nick. You know, uh, a lot of times when we establish, if you look at other uh, other sections of the hound, or I'm sorry, the hunting community as a whole, uh, people people say they make themselves available on social media and things like that. But I think some of the stardom of of being well known kind of gets in their head, or they get bombarded with messages and and they make themselves unavailable. And that's just we can't afford to do that in the in the hound hunting no. community. There aren't enough of us the way it is. So, I mean, even if you even if we rise to you know all star status, we're just a a big fish in a small pond, and we got to realize that you know you can't get you can't forget your your raisin. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's I see. Well, we all see it all the time on social media and things. These these guys that make a dog do this or that and the other, or they film this or whatever, and they, they can kind of get big. I'm not saying they're all like that. Yeah, a lot of them are, but some are. And, you know, when it comes down to it, it's all about being being humble because it can all be taken away at any point in time. And we are, we all start out just like any young kid is nowadays, you know, don't know anything and needing somebody to teach you. We all start out there. And like Steve's talked about before, you know, Steve probably knows more about it than anybody I know. And he said he's still got a lot to learn. So we're never going to never going to know it all. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's for sure. You know, as I embarked on the journey of training another pup, 
you know, over this last year. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot uh, from the guy that I got him from, a very serious breeder and, and hound hunter, Randy Smith up in Pennsylvania. I've learned a lot from Randy since I've been involved. And Tom Strang, who was Randy's mentor, and and on and on it goes. And uh, there's always an opportunity to learn. And I'm down here in Florida now, and I'm going to learn as much as I can about these deer hounds because that's a big sport down here. Uh, guys oh, yeah. really enjoy running a deer with hounds, and I'm going to try to learn as much as I can about that sport as well. And I want to know exactly what, you know, I've spent my life uh, trying to keep a dog from running a deer, <laughs> but I want to yeah. know what makes a good deer dog. And, and, you know, the aspects of, do you need a cold trailer? Or do you want a hot nose? Dog? I don't know. I don't have a clue, but I want to find out. Yeah. Well, listen, how, how would you say your channel has changed since the earliest, uh, uh, episodes up to today what's been the progression there or have we yeah. covered that already no no that's a good question um well like i said when i started this channel part putting up films or you know videos about two years ago um you know it was just pretty much hunt only and you know like i said originally i would have 30 second clips or two minute clips and it was just at the tree or you know loading a dog or whatever you know and I, I didn't edit anything together too much and it was all it was hunt only related and then you know i started um you know we got we had the sponsorship with sport dog because i'm pro staff with them and i thought well you know i looked on youtube there wasn't a lot of reviews besides the sport dog doing their own stuff so i started reviewing a little bit of gear and then that got me into doing other brands gear and you know, then we started, uh, people's asking me training questions. That's when everybody started, give, you know, sending me messages on social media or, or whatever, asking me about training. And I realized there was kind of a niche for that. So I started filming a little bit of training stuff, which I found that to be my biggest challenge because to actually give your dog full attention and train it the way you need to, the camera just is a major hindrance for that. So I would like to be able to improve on those videos in the near future, but um, we're still working on that. Um, training is just one thing. You need to dedicate your time and attention to the dog to do it right. Um, but, yeah, we do that. And then, I don't know, I guess YouTube sent me a notification one day and said, once you get so many subscribers, you're allowed to do live videos. And I initially tried to do a live hunt, but where I hunt at doesn't have sales service. So that didn't work out very well. And then one night it was pouring the rain. I couldn't go hunting. I was like, well, shoot, let's just go live and see if anybody wants to talk. And, you know, I think we had like three or four people watch us that time. We probably had <laughs> 1,500 subscribers, you know, and I don't know. It just, it compounded. So now I just try to get a good mix. Like the summertime, I try to put up one hunting video a week if I can get out and get it done. And, um, you know, then we try to do a gear review every couple of weeks. Um, we've got a new segment. Well, it's not new. We've been doing it about a year. It's kind of reemerged as being active again as we do a segment called Kitten Cooners. And we have pretty much a youth, 18 years or younger, if they want to, um, they can mail me a letter and a drawing and or drawing. And we uh, read it and film it, you know, and put it up on YouTube. So it kind of gives them their 15 minutes of fame. You know, we read the letter and show off their picture and then down here where i got my workbench i've got you know all these pictures taped up on the wall and stuff so 
you know, we're trying to encourage the youth to get in the woods on stuff like that. So, and acknowledge them, you know. Right. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. Have you ever thought about, uh, so, so I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about the old Bill dance fishing shows. And at the end of the, at the end of the show, he would always have outtakes of his bloopers. You ever yeah. thought about putting a, thought about putting a blooper video together, Nick? Yeah, I've well, that's one thing we always tried to do is I noticed a lot of the other channels when I first came out were very serious, which is fine. But I'm a I'm a pretty comical guy, but you got to get to know me before <laughs> I'm that way around people. But I know how you, you feel. know me and the guys, me and the guys were always you know doing stuff to each other in the woods or whatever. And <laughs> so I filmed several of those and put them out. And, you know, they'd be in the beginning or end of a video and people love that stuff. And I think now I've got probably a good enough a collection to do a good 10, 15 minute <laughs> blooper reel. Mm. So that probably coming. That yeah. would be great. I enjoyed the episode the other day when your buddy there fell in the creek. He was soaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Been there, done that, of course, you know. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I didn't uh, catch that one on camera, but I wish I did. yeah well what yeah what would you say is you know when we write a biz i've been in situations in the registries and starting programs especially when i would change jobs and they'd want to want me to write a mission statement for the program uh what would you say is your mission statement uh for for uh nightlife yeah um you know, it, it's like I said, it had evolved quite a bit. Originally, it was just just to show people who we are and what we're doing. But we've definitely um, took on, um, I, I hate to say the term higher calling, and I don't want to seem you know boastful or anything like that, but for better lack of term, we definitely have a mission that we want to try to achieve that's um, a lot, lot better than what it used to be. And basically, I've kind of summed it up. We put in a lot of our advertisements and stuff and basically what we're just trying to do is we're trying to first entertain um educate through the training stuff and then we're trying to help houndsmen evolve one video at a time you know um so that's why we're we're trying to get the hunts out there we're trying to get the training stuff and uh you know new equipment comes out we want to educate people on so if we can just entertain educate and help people evolve one video at a time we're set it's great that's great. Catchy and it it's to the point. And uh yeah. great. Well uh I think we're, uh, are uh, there certain oh go ahead, Chris. No, I'm 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 listening, Steve. You go ahead. That was just gonna be a random thought. Oh well that's okay. Most of my thoughts are pretty ran- <laughs> random <laughs> myself. Uh, our <laughs> listeners will know that for sure. Um uh, What's the main, well, I, maybe we've touched on this, but this was a point we discussed the other day, Nick, that, you know, what is that, that most important thing that you hope people will get from watching your channel? Just basically whatever you need. Um, if you're that older guy who can't get in the woods anymore and you know way more than I do, and you just want to get some see some guys out running dogs and remind you of the old times, you know, I want you to be able to click on the channel and find a good hunting video that shows good dogs in the woods, having a good time. Um, the truth, I don't try to hide anything. If we slick, I show it. If it's a possum, I show it, you know, and I want true videos for that way guys who can't hunt can get out there and see it the way they remember it, you know, and, 
give them the memories that they used to have and it gives them something to enjoy. Um, you know, if you're a youth or unexperienced person and you're looking for information on how to, you know, start a dog or break a dog off of this, that, the other, or, you know, find hunting properties or whatever it may be. I hope that I've got, you know, a video, if it's not there, hopefully it's coming that uh, you can get on there and search it out and find the answers that you need, or at least, you know, the answers best I know how to give them. And, uh, you know, also too, if you're looking into getting any kind of gear, you know, we try to keep up to date on uh, what's the latest and greatest stuff out there, you know, whether it be lights or tracking systems or whatever. And if you're looking for information on a product before you go out and buy, because yeah, that's, that's one thing we try to do a lot was, you know, I grew up where you're talking about the old ways of doing things and stuff. I've had some older guys tell me, you know, well, back in my day, we didn't use this, that, and the other. And, you know, I understand that. But like my grandfather, if he'd had a, brand new tracking system and a high powered light available to him back in the fifties and sixties. If he could afford it without sacrificing the family's well being, he would have had it and he would have used it. You know what I'm saying? And sure. so, you know, I don't shirk using the latest greatest stuff at all because I think they all would have, like you talked about your grandfather would have drove a truck if he'd have had one. Um so I also recognize the need that, you know, I grew up a lot of guys. It's all you can do once every few years to come up with the money to buy an $800 tracking system. Um, a lot of guys out here don't have really spendable income, especially where I live and the way I grew up. So if I can make a video, even if it's 30 minutes long, breaking down the latest tracking system and show every single feature or the latest light, and that guy can sit down and watch my video for 30 minutes and then he gets the same experience as if he went down to the local coon shop and the guy sitting there selling them spent 30 minutes with him going through everything. And then he come back later that night and that guy took him outside and showed him in the woods how bright it was. If he can get that out of my videos, then, uh, you know, that's, that's what I want him to get. I want him to get as much information for whatever they need currently in their life. Well, I think that's valuable, Nick, because I know when I'm getting ready to buy a product, a lot of times I'm shopping online, so I'm always looking for reviews on things, uh, and I'm still old school where if I can find somebody local where I can go put my hands on it, I'm going to do that, but the yeah. the current trend, you know, especially with some of these bigger companies out there that are providing internet sales, you don't have that opportunity, so it's a it's a gamble when you're when you're looking for something so if we can tune into nightlife kennels channel and and get some of those reviews i can't imagine people not being able to to capitalize on that and that's a great service you're providing people so nick i want i want to ask you a question i want to know okay. uh, what you are thinking as far as um where you think the future of your channel is headed? What do you can you reveal anything without uh, uh, revealing any trade secrets? But but where do you hope to take the your YouTube channel? Yeah, well, I just want to make sure that we're always keeping up with um, the the latest reviews of stuff. You know, that's that's kind of a trivial aspect of it. But I always want to be able to you know obtain whatever new and greatest and keep reviews out there for people. And um, one thing I found 
in doing all this, I didn't even know this until I got into it was I found a real passion for editing, filming and editing. And I didn't, for an old boy from North Carolina, grew up in the mountains, you never thought, you know, getting into editing or filming would be something you'd want to do. But, um, I found a passion for that. So I really want to improve on stuff like that. You know, we bought, um, better cameras and better gear and, you know, a whole lot better, um, editing software and things of that nature. And I want to progress in that. I'd, I'd like to be able to make, uh, film type quality videos. I watch Clay Newcomb on his, well, in general, and he, he's a kind of a hero of mine, but to watch his films that he puts out, just, it blows me away how good of editing and filming that uh, that guy does. So I would really like to step up my production game and uh, produce better content. That's what's you know really all about. And, uh, you know, just in general do better. And of course, when it comes to the training stuff, as I learn, I just want to be able to put it on video and uh, give it out there to, to kids coming up. You know, as I learn something new, I'm going to pass it on best I can. And, you know, we do a series called uh, Quick Tips, and I try to keep it real quick and short, little three- or four-minute videos that people can get on and say, you know, they we've got one out that's uh, how to break a dog from a possum. And if, if a kid or somebody is encountering that problem and they want to deal with it, I want them to be able to go to my channel search something like that so as i cross new problems i'm gonna keep putting them up and uh you know just main thing is production i want to get better at that and uh produce better stuff and you know um i don't know i thought about dabbling into uh to writing for magazines at one time maybe i've, I've always kind of wanted to do that and reading a lot of steve stuff has kind of always keep me intrigued do that, Nick. You'll get rich. I promise you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you were talking there, and I, and certainly I'm joking about that. But you know, as you were talking, I'm thinking. You know, my work. I did product reviews for many years for the Coonhound uh, Bloodlines magazine. I think I like to kind of look back on the things that were accomplished. You know, we all do that, I think, and and say, you know, and I used to get a lot of positive feedback about the product reviews, but my world was all in a print media world, you know, right. and and now things have jumped uh, forward into this digital age, you know, and uh, and so what you're doing, I'd encourage you to stay the course stay on the track you you're going because people appreciate it very much and um and and i know i do and and you know as far as reviews i look at it if i'm shopping for a product i read the reviews if i'm uh um you know uh if i'm trying to uh uh you know buy something i want to find out what other people think about it and uh, yeah. if I don't know how to do something here at the, you know, at the, at the house, uh, what do I do? I go in and I Google it, you know, I get on yeah. YouTube yeah. and find out how to, you know, if I'm installing a toilet or, or changing out a drain or whatever, you know, I use that, what those videos. So you're definitely on the, on the, um, right track and uh man it's been a great visit with you uh nick i think uh, our time has gotten uh, uh away much too quickly and we certainly want will want to have you back on the the podcast in the future uh to see how things are progressing uh, why don't you give our listeners um the information that they need to be able to tune into your youtube 
channel and to get these tips and and your Q and A sessions and so forth. Yeah, um, if you're interested in following us, we're um, we're on the three major social media platforms. We're uh, we have a Facebook page. You just search out Nightlife Kennel, N-I-T-E-L-I-F-E Kennel. Um, if you're on uh, Instagram, you can search Nightlife Kennel there as well. And then uh, if you go on YouTube, just search out Nightlife Kennel. We're we're the same thing on all three. And uh, like I said, if you go to YouTube and you want to subscribe to us, you go down there and watch one of our videos, you'll see the subscribe uh, buttons. It's, it's the word written in red. You just click on that right there and you can subscribe to us and watch our videos or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We we put up a little bit of different content on everywhere. Of course, YouTube's got our full-length videos, and a lot of times uh, Facebook will just put up pictures at the tree or we'll put up, uh, you know, stating that we got a video coming out. And Instagram only allows you to put a one-minute video on there. So we a lot of times I'll put up a teaser. I'll put up a video at the tree that night when I'm there, you know, and I'll say, video coming soon. So don't matter where you're at, you can follow us and know what's going on with us and uh, when we're coming up with that without anything new you know well nick uh, i i really appreciate you coming on the podcast today i think you're doing a wonderful job uh representing houndsmen out there and and giving everybody and a resource for information and product reviews and and uh, it's just valuable and it's it's very unselfish thanks, and i appreciate i appreciate what you're doing i think we kind of share the mission here of of trying to help houndsmen and the way you go about it with humility and and uh, it's it's just it's just such a it's such a value to the hound hunting community so i would encourage all our listeners to check out nightlife kennel your youtube channel make sure you hit his subscribe button and make that a regular regular visit for you on the on your weekly travels um steve you got any final thoughts well, I don't accept to echo what you just said, Chris. And uh, uh, Nick's a good guy. He's one of our our guys, and uh, uh, he he un- he gets it. He understands, and he's trying to do something good. And I, what could be wrong with that, uh, Chris? I think it's about time for me to wind this thing up, um, and uh, we'll uh, certainly look forward to the next time Nick is with us, and. Uh, as my old Thank bear hunter, I appreciate it. Well, hey, no problem, Nick. W- Absolutely. Uh, are you ready, Chris? There's a bear yeah. track out here. We need to get and on it. It looks like it looks like it's smoking hot. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> slid down off the bank here behind us, crossed the road, and and, and is dropping down in the hollow. I can see where he's broke the brush a little bit as he went through. He looks like a big sucker. So, are you guys ready to turn him loose? ready all right boys i'll tell you like i always do once we cut these hounds you follow your hounds and i'll follow mine